Good morning, church. Thank you for our young people for leading in our worship service today. Did they do fine? Praise God. Uh, Step in the right direction. Before we open God's Word, we're in the book of Acts, chapter 12. So take a Bible, and we are in the New Testament. I'll actually give you the page reference for the Bible in the pews. Acts chapter 12, beginning on page 1712. And as we're doing a series from the book of Acts, I'm jumping over a portion of chapter 11, and I'll pick that up next week and tie it in with chapter 13. So we won't lose anything, um, but just just so you can understand the continuity of what we're doing. Today we're going into the story of King Herod and his opposition to the church of God. So it's a very dynamic, important story this morning. Let's bow our heads. Gracious God, we thank you for your holy word. Lord, without your word, we would be all over the place in confusion. But your word, it gives us a light in a dark place, a clear path to you. We thank you for that. Bless us with your presence through the Holy Spirit. Uh, Fill up this sanctuary with your holy angels. And search our hearts, Lord, and apply your word today to us. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen. Jesus said this gospel of the kingdom shall be proclaimed throughout the whole world. He said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of God. Today what we're going to see are godly leaders in the church laying their lives down for their Lord and for what they believed. And we're also going to see this amazing rescue of Peter from prison. And we're going to see this tremendous opposition from a king called Herod. Now, there are a number of Herods in the Bible. We're talking about King uh, Agrippa I, I believe he's called, this King Herod. They were all family-related, all from a a nasty stock. And um, this particular King Herod, he, he was an Edomite. So this morning we talked a little bit about Petra in Jordan, and that's where the Edomites come from. So there was Edomite blood in Herod, but he seemed to have a real affinity for Judaism. So believe it or not, this man, in a sense, was a religious man. He took very seriously the teachings of Judaism probably had daily sacrifices made for him. Now let's see what kind of person he is. Let's see. Uh, We'll we'll see the spirit of Satan working through this man. The Scriptures say it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. Now this is not the first time in the book of Acts, that we have seen Christians persecuted. Do you remember when we saw in chapter 9, Saul 
persecuting the church. Jesus had to meet him on the road to Damascus. So Jesus said, if they persecute me, don't be surprised if they persecute you. Do you know how long it was that I was a Christian before I was persecuted? Within 24 hours. I probably didn't know anything at that time what the Bible said about Christians being persecuted. But if one day you're not in Christ and the next day you are in Christ, there's a, people see the difference. They don't understand it, true, but they know there's a difference. And one day I was very much one of the boys. And that, that evening I was converted and the next day I was no longer one of the boys. I knew it for sure, and they knew it too. So here we have a godly leader called James, the brother of John. Can you remember James and John when they made a request of Jesus? They saw it, said, Lord, I think they were actually making this request uh, under the, the uh, coattails of their mother. But Lord, can we sit on your right and your left? And Jesus said, that's not mine to give you. I don't make those decisions. Can you drink the cup from which I will drink? And that is the cup of suffering. Here we're seeing James drink from the cup of suffering. For it says in verse 2, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. So when one of, one of your church leaders is executed, that gets the attention of the church. It's an example. This was um, apparently not as public as some Jews would like. But nevertheless, James is gone. And when Herod saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize somebody else. Who was that? Peter. Peter also, Jesus also spoke to Peter about his death. He says, Peter, the day will come when someone will take you to a place that you don't want to go. And though this had every... Uh, reason to, for us to think this is going to be the death of Peter. I mean, if James couldn't escape, if God didn't rescue James, why should he rescue Peter? Brings up all sorts of issues in our minds. Why do some die young, such as James, and yet his brother John dies a natural death at an old age. You ever ask yourself those kind of questions? We had an English pastor called Robert Surridge, 54 years of age, who had a stroke recently, dead. Not overweight, not sure if he had any health issues, I'm not aware of that, but gone. Leaves a wife and two children had a Norwegian friend who was in Africa. I believe he was working for ADRA. And he and two African uh, Seventh-day Adventists were delivering wages. Gunmen held them up and executed the three of them. 
Norwegian friend leaves a wife and children in Norway. We don't understand why. And we won't understand why until we ask Jesus and see him face to face and he does some explaining. Can you see why the millennium is, is a thousand years? A lot of questions that we have. So here's Peter, one of, also one of the very important leaders of the church. Herod trying to please the Jews, he arrests Peter the time of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. How many soldiers is that? Sixteen. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So within a very short period of time, Peter is going to die the same death as James. So Herod persecutes the church. Where is God in all of this? Is he passive? Verse 5 says, Peter, while he's in prison, the church was earnestly praying to God for him. There's not one of those church members that had clout with Herod enough to get Peter out of that prison. But that doesn't mean to say that the church cannot do something about this. They can pray. This is a crisis in the church. God's people were in earnest. They were agonizing for the release of Peter. Maybe the death of James came too quick for them to react. This, this arrest of Peter is going a little bit more slowly. It gives them time to group together and be earnest in prayer. Is prayer important for God's people? And it shouldn't be something that we do once a week when we come to church. We should all have a strong prayer life ourselves. New Testament talks a lot about that. Jesus talks about going into our closet. But corporately, we should know what it is to come together do we have crisis in our worlds today, in the church today? Maybe one of the greatest crises is, is apathy, lethargy, being content with the status quo. Do we have a burden for these people in Anderson, Cottonwood, Reading, and wherever, wherever we live? We need to come together earnestly, praying to God for victories in the church. Verse 6 says, the night before Herod was to bring Peter to trial, Peter is sound asleep like a baby between two soldiers. Now, that wouldn't have been a particularly comfortable way of sleeping. I don't know about you, I don't have a favorite blanket anymore, but I do have a, a favorite doona, and I came across these in Norway and these are like a feather quilt that you can wrap around you. And I've just been to Leone Meadows in the lodge there. That's a Seventh-day Adventist retreat center, and we were having a pastor's and a Bible workers meeting there, and they have blankets and pillows for you, but I had to take my doona. If I'm going to sleep well, I had to do that. Well, Peter's situation is he probably just has a 
and outer garments wrap around him, and he is literally chained to these Roman soldiers. And you probably had like three doors, three strong metal doors, or, or strong wooden doors that you would go through, and then, then the, the inner, inner section of the prison, he's chained to these two. So he cannot blink without them knowing. That's the situation. Yet he's sleeping here like a baby and expecting to die the next day. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in verse 7, and a light shone in the cell. So everyone wakes up, right? This is a bright angel. Suddenly it's daylight. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you, follow me, the angel told him. So Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. Has anybody woken you up from a deep sleep? And you don't know if you're, if you're on planet earth or whether you're floating around in heaven. That's the situation we're talking about here. And Peter thought that he was seeing a vision. Now, Peter had a vision in chapter 10, was it, of the book of Acts? So he knew a little bit about visions. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Now, my 1988-1998 Honda Civic has quite a few miles on it now. Anyone want to guess? How many think more than 200,000? How many think more than 300,000? How many think more than 400,000? 310,000 miles. And when I opened one of the doors the other day, it squeaked. How dare you, Honda Civic, squeaking after so many years. So I go in my garage and I get my WD-40, just spray a little bit, no squeaks. Well, did you know that when the angel ministers, there's no squeaks? Everything just works out perfectly. Chains fall off. Heavy doors, squeaky doors open. Nobody hears a thing. Open and probably closed. Nobody hears a thing. And Peter, it says there, in verse 11, he came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. Jewish people were rubbing their hands at the execution of this Christian leader. So Herod persecutes, God protects. He didn't protect James, he allowed him to die, but he does protect Peter and allows him to live. And now we see in verse, um, in verse 11 that he's now waking up and, and the significance of, what, of his rescue is beginning to sink in. 
Before we move on, I want us to think about the ministry of angels. Because angels are all over the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. And you and I should know something about the ministry of angels. I have an uncle in England who I've been witnessing to for many years. And there have been moments when I've tried to talk about eternal life and heaven and things like that, and he's kind of mocked me and said, why would we want to spend eternity strumming a harp in heaven? But one time I talked with him, he talked about having an angel on his shoulder. Why would an unbeliever want an angel on their shoulder? Because they want their cake and they want to eat it. And in my mind, I was thinking, good angel or bad angel on your shoulder? Because there are those two groups in the Bible, right? There are good angels who have never sinned and never rebelled against God. And there are bad angels who have rebelled against God and have been cast out of God's presence and have come to this earth and are determined to drag you and I down with them. So we need to understand that. Now, we're talking about good or bad angel for Peter. Good angel, very, very good angel. Actually called the angel of the Lord. So this is a good angel. The Bible teaches that the angel of the Lord encamps around those that fear him. In the book of Hebrews, that's in Psalms 34, in the book of Hebrews it says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to help us who are seeking redemption? Every person who is brought to the Lord Jesus Christ has an angel out for their best interest. Now, is it fair for me to say this morning, have you thanked your angel? That's not a ridiculous thing to say, really, is it? I mean, if you have this supernatural being who is working on your behalf, then at least I want to thank my God for angelic ministry. Now, I can't worship my angel. That's not encouraged in the Bible. But I can be in awe and have respect for the work and try and cooperate with my angel so that God ultimately gets all the glory. Now, when this was beginning to dawn on Peter, it says in verse 12, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. So this is John Mark, mother Mary, possibly the room where the upper room, we're not sure about that. But many people had gathered and were praying. So here's the situation. Many, many people in this room praying for the deliverance of Peter. Peter has been delivered. They don't know it. Peter knocks at the entrance, the outer door. Can't knock too loud because you don't want to wake up the Jerusalem neighborhood. And a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she was so ecstatic, she ran back and left Peter outside without opening the door, it says. And she says, Peter, Peter's at the door. 
Now remember what's happening, what I just said. They're praying for Peter's rescue, his deliverance. And they're praying earnestly, this translation. Agonizing for Peter. I mean, they're really serious. They don't want to lose a great leader in the church. They've already lost one in James. They don't want to lose two. And of course, when Rhoda comes and tells them he's at the door, they say, oh, praise God, our prayers have been answered. That's not in the text, is it? Verse 15, you're out of your mind, girl. But she kept insisting, good for her, that it was so, and they said it must be his angel. Now, isn't that interesting? What are we supposed to read into that? Obviously, we could conclude, well, we all have a guardian angel. That would seem a reasonable conclusion, at least those of us who believe in Christ. We should be able to claim that, don't you think? But then to think that the angel has to look like Peter, I don't know where you get that from in the Bible. But it, that seems implicit in the text. It must be his angel. But keep Peter kept on knocking. Hey man, it's cold out here. We don't want Herod to wake up and find me, do we? And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They were amazed. Well, hey, haven't they been praying for this? Are you sometimes shocked when your prayers are answered? Especially if they're answered in a way that you don't expect. It happens all the time. And of course, at this point, we should slow down and say, Hey, church, do we know anything about agonizing with God? Do we know it individually? Do we know it corporately? Don't you think the Anderson Church would be a stronger church family if we came together and agonized? Agonized over the weakness of the church, what little influence we have in society, how few souls we gather together to bring to the Lord. There's many, many things that we can pray for and we need to pray for and our church will be strengthened by gathering together. Peter motioned with his hand. Maybe he went, shh. Maybe that's where that originated. He motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and he described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James. Now, hasn't James just been executed? Well, they had a lot of James in the Bible. So this is another James. Tell James and the brothers about this. And then he left for another place because there was a James who was the brother of Jesus who became a great leader in the church. So Herod persecutes, God protects. We've seen God protecting Peter and rescuing him. Now, next morning... Something's happening in the prison, right? This is an exciting story, don't you think? There's a commotion in the prison, this confusion in the prison. All the soldiers are in place, all the doors are locked, but when they come to get the prisoner, Peter, he's gone. He's out of there. He didn't hang around. And Herod, King Herod, is not too happy. 
Now, in those days, it was life for life. If your prisoner escapes, you paid for it with your life. So we know that at least two soldiers would be executed, and probably 16. And Herod knew in his heart that it wasn't their fault. But he still had them executed. He knew that God had rescued Peter. It's a dangerous thing to fight against God. I think we've already seen that in the book of Acts being emphasized. Do not fight against God. You're not going to win. The odds are not in your favor. Hey, King Herod, wake up! So it says there in the text, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had made a thorough search for him, did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. And then he went off to Judea to Caesarea, from Judea to Caesarea, and he stayed there for a while. He'd been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon, it's in Lebanon, and they now joined together and sought an audience with him. And having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod wearing his royal robes. Now, this is a biblical account written by Luke, Dr. Luke, the historian. He's, he's actually a very interesting writer. But we have other writers outside of the Bible who also tell us about this event in Caesarea with King Herod. And one of them is a Jewish historian writer called Josephus. So Josephus describes it his way. Luke describes it his way. There's a lot of similarities between the two stories. But, but Josephus tells us that Herod was dressed in like silver silver-colored garments. And I'm sure as the sun hit that silver, he really sparkled. Well, this will be his last opportunity to sparkle. So he makes his speech, and they said, and of course you have to imagine all of the, the uh, technicolor there with the silver and, the, and the, the lights and so on, the sun hitting him, and they said, this is not the voice of a man, this is the voice of who? God. So it's giving praise to man, almost worshiping the man, and he loved every second of it. He lapped it up. We do have examples, probably in the book of Acts, but certainly in the New Testament, where people wanted to worship People like Paul, for example. And Paul, or whoever was working with him, Silas, whoever it was, said, no, 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 don't worship us. God alone is the one to be worshipped. Herod committed the great sin, the original sin, Lucifer's sin, of praise being given to him and not to God. And so it says there in the text, immediately, 
verse 23, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord, probably the same angel that rescued Peter, struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. Now, it's interesting to see how the commentators talk about this eaten by worms, and they do give some good explanations of that. But the point I want you to get, and probably what Luke wants us to get, is you can have all the power of the throne behind you, but if you're taking on God, if God has said this gospel will go, no man can stand in the way of that and win. So Herod is taken out. He's had his opportunities. He knows that he, he was wrong to have James beheaded. He knows that he was wrong to have those soldiers executed. He knows that he is wrong to arrest Peter and try and kill him. He's fighting against God. Is he winning? There's always that day of reckoning. And this is Herod's day right here. He is struck down by the Lord's angel and dies. And then in verse 24, We'll end it here in verse 24. It says, But the word of God continued to increase and spread. We get these up-to-date reports from Luke as we're reading through the book of Acts. And here's one of his little reports. The word of God continued to spread. And I just want to commit myself, and I hope you do this morning, to learning how to work with God. After all, those of us that have accepted Jesus Christ and been baptized into His kingdom, baptized of the Spirit, baptized of water, we're virtually saying we will do everything with our time, with our talent, with our finances to advance your cause. Right? Right? All right, just checking. Don't want you sleeping like Peter between those soldiers this morning. Got to wake up, get out of our days, and realize what's going on around us. So we want to do everything we can to advance His cause. We don't want to do anything to slow down His work. So it means that we listen to the Holy Spirit. We learn from stories like this. We see the terrible mistakes that certain people have made. Hopefully that I find it a very solemn story, how this king had such great opportunities. And we'll see this again as we work our way through the book of Acts. People uh, in, in great positions of power, uh, usually through arresting God's people. And, and, and Paul, Paul will be very, uh, loom very large in the book of Acts when we get past chapter 13. And, and arresting these people and threatening to execute them, sometimes that's the only way the gospel can get through to some of these important uh, leaders who are opposing God and, and often are in ignorance, and yet how few of them seem to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a world that is living on borrowed time, folks. It's a world in opposition to God. So instead of seeing a King Herod, we have a whole globe of people Many of them don't understand what the issues are. It's your responsibility and my responsibility to do everything we can, in any way we can, any legitimate way we can, to get the good news of Jesus Christ 
out to them. Don't you, don't you find the book of Acts an exciting book? There's always action. There's always something. There's movement in it. And this is called the Advent movement. So let's get moving. Let's get with the program. Let's get hand in hand with our God and advance His cause. Jesus says when this happens, He will come back. Gloria, are you looking forward to Jesus coming back? You want to meet Henry again? Let's do everything we can to advance His cause. And let's thank Him, praise Him, praise Him for the privilege of being a fellow worker with Him. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank You for this whole book of Acts, for Luke, how You used him. We're seeing people like James and Peter and soon we're going to be seeing Paul in action. And Lord, it, it, it's amazing. It's just, just mind-boggling the things that you did through these people. And Lord, you can do it through us, and you want to do it through us. So we, we put ourselves at your disposal this morning. Use us any way you can, Lord, any way you can to reach people in our community who are dying in sin. Help them to be rescued just like your angel rescued Peter is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.